Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you for all the things that you have done. And Lord, it is just so amazing to watch you work in such incredible and miraculous ways to uh, to know that we are not presuming upon your grace to expect great things and unbelievable things at your hand. And yet, Lord, we know the greatest tests are still in the future. That's why you still have us here, and we can thank and praise you that we know that you are more than sufficient to meet any need that we face. We thank you for your grace and your ability to serve you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. For the friends. Hey kids, you can be with Brother Andrew tonight, so the rest of us, let's take our Bibles and go back again to the book of 1 John, and uh, we'll continue our study through this incredible little book. I'm not sure, but... uh, that anywhere else in the Bible we have so many things packed into such a little tiny package. And, oh, just by the way, the, the website actually is the Southwest Baptist website where the live streaming of the service is. Is, is that correct? I said Heartland, but it's... Uh, and we have the um, DVDs of the services on order, and we'll have those in the bookstore that you can check out if you've curious about the great preaching and things, and, and you can do that. Uh, uh, we, we should have them there where you can borrow them. We have literally hundreds of hours of preaching on CD and DVD in our bookstore that you can uh, borrow and bring back. Uh, there's also, I think, an audio collection of, of uh, 500 sermons. I think it's 30 bucks that you can take and listen to. There's lots and lots of resources there <clears throat> uh, of great things. You don't have to, uh, don't listen to what is called Christian radio today. Uh, what is there is not going to help you understand your Bible or live for the Lord. Uh, it's sad to say, but that's just uh, what it is. Even the better radio stations are no longer what we would consider good. So, uh, let's look in our Bibles. My little children. Chapter 2, verse 1 of the book of 1 John. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, He abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And that's the section I would like for us to cover tonight. And and we go back to John chapter, 1 John chapter 1 for just a moment, as John introduces the, the book, 
This book is about Jesus. It's about our relationship with Him and how that it is a, a surety. Uh, verse uh, 5, if you spent the rest of your life in verse 5, chapter 1, just trying to understand everything that it said and living in the, the truth of that verse, uh, you would not go wrong. But it says, This then is the message which we have heard of Him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. The problem is the devil himself is transformed as an angel of light. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. I'll tell you, there's only one way you can tell the difference. And that is this book. That's why it's so important to stay in the Bible. And uh, so he then deals with the issue of sin If we say we have no sin, the Bible says we are calling God a liar. Uh, We are to confess our sins, but our forgiveness for our sins is not based upon our remembrance. It's based upon Jesus' work. And that's what John chapter 2 is all about. He's writing to us, and and, uh, we believe that at this point, this would have been one of the later uh, letters that John has written. And uh, he was the youngest of the apostles, and yet he outlived uh, all of them. He was the last of, of the apostles to die. We believe that it was right around 100 A.D. This would have been uh, nearly 70 years, possibly a full 70 years after Jesus was crucified. We still have John the beloved disciple on the island of Patmos, giving us the book of Revelation. And uh, so you figure he may have been in his early 20s when he walked with Jesus. Seventy years later, he's in his early 90s. And so if you could imagine this, this man who was young when he walked with Jesus, he's now writing uh, to several generations of believers removed. People who had led someone to the Lord, who had churches who Paul had started, and their people in those churches had gotten saved. And, and so now John is writing, he says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. There, there's an admonition in here. There's a, a, a direction in here that our lives are not to be bent toward sin. Why? Because of everything he just finished telling us. He said, we're not supposed to live in that direction. We are supposed to strive. We're supposed to be working here. But you'll notice that next second sentence in verse 1 starts with the word and. I mean, this is connected here. Now, I know in modern English you're not supposed to start a sentence with the word and. Uh, but this is not modern English, amen. And John just simply says, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Now, I looked up the word advocate just so I could make sure. And uh, the first definition of the word advocate, I did not print in my notes, but it was just simply uh, the title that a lawyer had in the Roman Empire. That was their title, was an advocate. Uh, in the British law, there are other things that were there, but in the Roman law, in the law that was in uh, effect when John was writing this, was 
there, there were men who, who held the job of advocate. And the second definition simply says, one who pleads, intercedes, or speaks for, or in behalf of another. A pleader, intercessor, defender. Definition 2b says, specially applied to Christ as the intercessor for sinners. Now, this is the Oxford English Dictionary. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, I thought that was pretty neat how that even the Oxford English Dictionary, as they are defining the English language and defining words, uh, would see this applied so well and used so often in the English language that they would cite it as part of the definition of this word. And so Jesus is the one who pleads. He is our defender. He speaks for. He speaks in behalf of. He intercedes for us. You see, if you sin, there's only one place you can go. You know what happens a lot of times? Somebody will do something. They'll, they'll have some failure in their life. And the first thing that they do is they stop coming to church. You know what? That's the worst thing you can do. Absolute worst thing you can do. That's what Adam and Eve did in the garden. What did they do? The voice of God came walking in the evening and they went and hid themselves. And God had to go looking for them. And of course, he knew where they were already. He didn't have to find them. He wasn't, where are you? God God already knew. He knows where you are. You cannot hide from him. If you want the problem solved, there's only one place to go. And that's back to the foot of the cross. That's back to Jesus Christ. And it says, and He is the propitiation for our sins. Now, this word propitiation, it's, it means to conciliate, to appease, to bring back together. Uh, the implication is one that is offended and so we put that in there, and truly that is the idea uh, of, of what Jesus did, is he brought us together with God. But it's much more than that, my friend. What did Jesus do? To whom was our sin debt owed? Our sin debt is not owed to the devil. You, you'll hear certain people talk about this, that... Uh, Jesus paid the devil for our sin. No, no, no. The devil owes a sin debt to God. It's God's law that was broken. It is God the Father. It is God the righteous judge to whom our sin debt is owed. And yet Jesus is God the Son and he is the one that paid that debt for us. You, you have to stop and realize this. It would be like taking out, well, we... We just took out two loans, two promissory notes, one from Brother Clayton, the other from Brother Randall Moody and New Testament church planting. And they have to be paid back. Now, not one dollar of what we raised at Heartland is going to go to pay back Brother Clayton's debt. That's, that's our church's responsibility. We, we have to take care of that as open door. And... Uh, we, we hope and pray that we'll be able to raise money to take care of Brother Moody's debt, but that's got, that's got to be paid back. Now, 
What would be really neat if somebody called up and said, remember that money I loaned you? Don't worry about it. Somebody else gave me money and I'm going to use that to pay it for you. But how could you pay your sin debt? What's the wages of sin? Death. You see, no person, even if they paid your sin debt for you, they couldn't pay their sin debt for themselves. Because, see, they have one. For all have sinned. Death has passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So, there, there would be no hope for the human race except for our Advocate. He who pleads on our behalf. He who stood in our place and not only defended us, but as God was able to take the punishment that God would have meted out to every man, woman, and child that has ever lived, and yet come out of the grave again on the third day. See, that's what propitiation is. Jesus paid the price for our sins. And I love this verse. Uh, I, I do not understand how any reasonable, honest person could preach a limited atonement. Meaning that Jesus only died for the people to get saved. And, and read their Bible. I mean, what does this verse say? Look at it carefully with me. And He is the propitiation for our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And of course, those that believe in that limited atonement would say, well, that's talking about anybody who gets saved. Do you read that in there? It's not there. It says, but for the sins of the whole world. You see, God as the righteous judge, and I've, I've read some of their stuff and heard some of their pleas, how that the blood of Jesus is powerful and God would not waste the blood of Jesus. No, He doesn't waste it. What He's doing is He's taking away every living person's excuse. No one, when they stand before that great white throne judgment seat, no one, will be able to accuse God of sending them to hell. But if the Reformed theologians are correct, that's not true. Because God only chose those who get saved and the rest of them had no choice. Uh, it just does not fit with your Bible at all. What it is, is simply the reasonings of a man interposed over Scripture. And, and we, we need to get a hold of this. That Jesus paid for all of our sins. It does not shock him, our failures. He's not amazed. But in verse 3, we have a challenge that begins here and goes through the end of this, this passage here. He says, and hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Now, Jesus says that... If ye love me, what? Keep my commandments. There, there is a connection here. And it says, if you want to know of your relationship with God, we've got two things. And John, again, is going to bring back this statement. He that saith. He, he used it several times in, 
in, in chapter 1 when he is contrasting what is true and, and what people say is true. I mean, uh, one of the little phrases I've worked up over the years that, uh, that I like to use is, is, it is simply this, that if everything that everybody said was in the Bible was actually in the Bible, there would be no library in the world big enough to hold the book. Uh, because everybody says things are in the Bible, and they're just not there. And so John says, look, if you are in him, if you know Jesus, you're going to keep his commandments. You know, one of the ways that I know someone is really trying and, and using effort to serve the Lord is as they walk with God, they identify with his church. I mean, I've had people over the years that have argued and fussed and fumed, and and I've gotten to the point to where I'm I'm not going to sit here and try to convince you. If the Word of God hasn't convinced you already, far be it from me. I I, I have watched preachers force people into situations where they just had to do what the Bible said. I don't think that's biblical. I don't think that's my job. The Bible says. If we're in Him, we're going to keep His commandments. That initiative is something that the Holy Spirit works in the heart of the believer. And if you've got a problem with that, then the problem is right here. It's in your heart, and you've got to get with God and get that thing straightened out. See, why did the Lord give me such a lousy preacher? Well, because you're stuck with Him, amen? Uh Maybe he's trying to teach you patience. That's James chapter 1. You have to start there. But the simple truth is, we have to keep his commandments. How do we do that? It's not a complicated thing. You can't keep his commandments if you don't know them. Amen? That's why you've got to read this book. That's why you've got to spend time in it. That's why you've got to be under the preaching of God's Word. It, we we've, we'll deal with this in, in just a few moments here. But it says if you want to know God, you're going to keep his commandments. You're going to do the things that Jesus said. Now we get to the converse. He that saith, I know him and keepeth not his commandments. The truth uh, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word... In him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. You know, there's, there's some of God's people that are just hard to love. You ever met one? But if you want to love God's people, you start keeping his commandments and you have to love God's people. You can't stop yourself. You see, the reason why we don't love people the way we ought to love people is because we're not keeping His commandments the way we ought to keep His commandments. See, there are many things that go for love in this world in which we live. 
The young man says to his girlfriend, if you love me, you will. I'll tell you what, young lady, if you ever hear a young man say anything to that, you have my permission to smash his nose all over his face with the biggest thing and hardest thing you can find. Now, don't kill him, but uh, inflict bodily injury, please. Uh, that, that is the most evil thing that you can say. Love does not demand behavior from others. True love brings out the best in others without having to manipulate them. I'll tell you what. A manipulative relationship is is one of the most difficult things to deal with in this world. Someone who's always trying to get something, make you pull your strings, make you a puppet, make you do things. The Bible tells us, it's, it's right here, it says, listen, when you keep his word, the love of God is perfected. And this goes back, and we won't take time tonight, but there, there's a passage in Luke where Jesus says, if a man hate not his father and his mother and his wife and his children, he cannot follow me. I believe the answer to that is is right here. You see, we expect people to help us. We expect people to behave in a certain way. Why do you get so frustrated driving down the highway when someone just does something absolutely idiotic in front of you? It's because they're doing something that is not expected, that they shouldn't do, changing lanes, slamming on the brakes, whatever. We we expect people to drive within the rules of uh, of propriety, and that that's what allows us. I think New York City, believe it or not, is one of the best places to drive because the majority of drivers here do what they're supposed to do. Oklahoma City, it's just not that way. I mean, the majority of drivers do exactly what they're not supposed to do. It's amazing how there are so few accidents in that city. But I never go through that city without seeing two or three uh, fairly serious accidents. Uh, There was one that blocked the whole street right in front of the place we were staying all day. It It was just, praise God, we weren't part of it. But in real life, when we get along with people, Miss Rosemary gave testimony of all those people striving together to raise that money for our building. I'll tell you what, there was an amazing spirit in that auditorium. In fact, that the, uh, not to disparage the preaching or anything in any way, but it seemed that the spirit that was generated in that offering was even far greater than that of the preaching and the music, and which was just absolutely fabulous. But it was it it is that idea and. What was, it be, what was it about? It was about seeing church established. You know what Jesus loved? He loved his church. And he gave himself for it. You get together about what Jesus loves. And he's going to be there. That, that, the love of God. Now, let me tell you something. We don't have to wait to raise another $100,000 to have that spirit again, even right here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. That's, that's not what God wants. He doesn't only want it on the big, amazing things. He wants it in our daily life. You know, sometimes a couple that's married a very long time, uh, people will say, uh, you know, 
where, where is the spark? And, and, and it's not exciting like it used to be. And, and my, my favorite illustration of this is you take two wires that have current flowing through them and put them together. Guess what? You're going to get sparks. Unless it's the wrong kind of current, then you're going to get an explosion. Uh, but uh, if you have the right kind of current flowing through those things, you, you're going to get a few sparks. But once you bond those wires, once you nut them together or solder them or make a firm connection, you don't want no more sparks. Because you want the current not to leak out of the wires and be seen. You want it to stay in the wire and do the job it's supposed to do. Amen? And see, that's what the Lord wants to do in our hearts. He wants to do this in our church. He wants His love to be perfected right here in our midst. Now, how do we do that? Each one of us individually have to keep His commandments. How many of you have ever... Well, don't raise your hands, but just think about this. I'm doing exactly what the Bible says, except. You ever caught yourself doing that? Don't raise your hands, but we all have. Well, I, I think the Lord is, I'm, I'm serving the Lord as much as I possibly can. There's just a little bit left over I can't. Wait a minute. That's not keeping His commandments now, is it? Keeping His commandments is the surrender of myself 100% to His direction. You say, well, what if, what if, what if He takes, what if somebody takes advantage of me? Uh, I, I expect to be taken advantage of. I, I expect to have to absorb some irritation and hurt. And so should you. You know why? Because He is a propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. If Jesus was willing to pay it all, how about let me forget this little irritation that someone has put in my direction? And by forget, it means... Take it off the board completely. Not put it in a file cabinet so I can get it back and add it to the list. Amen? Amen. Do, you, do you think that sounds like keeping His commandments? It says that, that that love is going to be perfected in us as we keep His commandments. And, and verse 6, He says the same thing a little bit different. He that saith... Here's that phrase again. He that saith... He abideth in him, ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. If you say you abide in Christ, you're making a claim that you would be walking, would be doing what Jesus did if he were standing in your shoes. I've often used this when... When we end our prayers and we say, in Jesus' name, amen, what we're actually saying is, if Jesus were standing in my shoes right now, this is what he would be praying for. 
Isn't that a scary thought? I mean, sometimes we pray about things that we ought not pray about. Dear Lord, please, help that guy get a ticket. Uh Uh-oh. We were driving back from somewhere the other day. Where was it? And this red Ferrari comes just blowing by us on the throughway, about 100 miles an hour. And we got off on the Palisades Parkway and we're coming down. And I saw on the service road, there was that same red Ferrari and the flashing lights behind them. And part of me was going, ha, ha, ha. And I'm just sitting there going, uh, maybe that's not the love of Christ in, in my heart as it ought to be. And uh, we're, we're supposed to walk as Jesus walked. If we say, if we really want to be. If we want the love of God perfected in us, all we have to do is keep His commandments. His commandments are embodied in the Word of God. You, you, you can't keep Jesus' commandments till you're saved. Then you've got to be baptized the Bible way. Then you have to serve the Lord... In his church. That, that's how it works. It's not a complicated thing. And when those things don't happen, the love of God is not perfected in us. And when those things do happen, the love of God is perfected in us. You know what the hardest thing to do sometimes is? Sit still. But sometimes that's the best thing we can do in serving the Lord. It's just be there. You see, Jesus paid for every sin that was ever sinned. And though it's not directly dealt with in the passage that we're looking here, it's certainly... There, in the commandments of Jesus, Jesus said, listen, if you don't forgive your brother, I'm not forgiving you. That's pretty serious. The Lord's prayer. He said, Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lord, you forgive me my sins against you as I forgive others' sins against me. That is an incredible statement, is it not? You see, what this love of God does is it allows me to take things that other people have done and give them to the Lord Jesus Christ totally and completely without reservation. Therefore, the injury is no more toward me personally. It belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that allows me to love and care about others even though they don't love and care back. Wasn't it Paul said, the more abundantly I care for you, the less I'm cared for by the Corinthian church? Listen, we, we, we need to get this truth. And we'll see the Spirit of Christ, the love of God, perfected. 
You see, we need to ask God to help us not to sin. But when we do, we need to go directly to Jesus Christ. And if we want to love Him, we need to serve Him His way at His direction. And I probably ought to just say this. I've walked all around it tonight. The Lord put the pastor in the church to be in charge of the church. And to give direction. That's just part of the job. I don't preach about that a lot. I don't like preaching about my job as a pastor. But let me tell you something. I'm going to do my job as a pastor with the ability that God gives me. But I need help. And you say, how do I help you be my pastor? Well, just listen. That's how simple it is. And it's part of keeping those commandments. And when we think we've got a better way of doing something, you may be absolutely right, but you're not the one in charge. And so we walk together. And we've seen God do some amazing things at this church. I really feel bad for Brother Mike. But he he should have been up there Wednesday night. And I know he doesn't think that. But the problem is we have too many problems, too many things happening. And we cannot allow anything to hinder the good work God's been doing at North Brooklyn. We've had more happen since September than we've had since the beginning to September. Now, that's telling us the Lord's getting ready to do some things there. It's just being faithful. But I use Brother Mike as an example. He he did that video. He did the cards we pass out. And all of that work. Now, listen. You know why he did it? Because I called him up Monday morning and I said, Mike, can you do this? And he's going, yeah. (laughs) We got the cards in Wednesday morning, passed them out Wednesday night. Amen? And uh, I think he finished the video on the plane on the way in or shortly after that. I know that it didn't get done until... And uh, I ran down to the drugstore when I was getting my medicine for the cold and, and picked up one of them little thumb drives and... It had uh, blue gingham all over it. It looked like something some little lady put on her keychain, but it was the cheapest one I could find. And so I hand this thing to Brother Gaddis in the service. I said, the video's on this cute little thumb drive here, and he's sitting here going. But uh, you know what? The Lord did a great miracle, and I, be- I believe that that is an example of God's love being perfected. Because churches are excited. And the greatest thing about that offering, if I can just simply say this, was helping every pastor there realize that something far greater than any of us could ever imagine could be done. No one has ever thought about taking up a $100,000 offering. And yet God did it. Uh, we could use another hundred, but God will provide that when we need it. And 
we are looking to see God do some great things. But let me tell you something. If you want to know when the devil is working, let me tell you it's right now. It is right now. The devil is trying to get in and to discourage and derail this thing. And there's only one solution. My little children, I write these things unto you that ye sin not. Each of us have got to keep a track of our own life. That's, that's a responsibility as a member of this church. And if we sin, we've got to go right to Jesus Christ. And we've got to understand something. We've got to keep His commandments. And if we will, this won't be the end of the miracles. It'll just be another one in the long line. I mean, we've we got to start praying for some miracles for Brother Franz when we kick him out. I mean, send him out. And, uh, and then there's other people standing in line wanting to go out and serve the Lord. We're not going to tell you about all of it yet because it's several years down the line. Uh, but we've even got some students at Heartland Baptist Bible College that are saying, I want to come and work in this church and be sent out of this church. In fact, a man gave me a folder while I was at the meeting. He said, I, I don't even remember meeting the guy. He said, I got a man in my church who wants to come to New York City and start a church. He wants a church up there that he can come and become a member of and work out of and, and, and then be sent out from that church. I'm saying, well, we've already done that with Brother Mike. And uh, I've got the folder. I, I haven't even had a chance to open it up. But... Let me tell you, the Lord is preparing us for some things that would be beyond the realm of the reasonable. That makes it miraculous. Amen? But each one of us in this room, you know, we need twice the people here on prayer meeting night that we have. But you're not going to get them here by nagging them. You're not going to get them here by manipulating them. If they won't come because God won't bring them, well, then we'll just pray on our own. But let me tell you something. We start getting some miraculous answers to prayer. There's going to be people showing up just to see what in the crazy world we're doing on Sunday nights. And that's how God's love is perfected. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. Lord, we ask you to do your work in our hearts and lives. Lord, how desperately do we need your love to be perfected in this church? And Lord, how wonderfully we saw that, uh, those of us that were in the meeting Wednesday night. Yeah, Lord, we don't want it to be restricted to just great meetings afar off. We, we would like that to be every service. And it can happen, Lord, because your word says that's what's going to happen if we'll just live in your commandments. If we'll walk as you walked. We ask, Lord, that you would give a commitment to each heart here present that's saved and a member of this church. That I will keep his commandments. That I will walk as Jesus would order my steps. 
And if I sin, I'm going right back to Jesus to get that forgiveness that is already there so that I can see God's love perfected. Let's just keep our heads bowed for a minute. The invitation is simply this. How many people with, with your